Welcome to Empowering Women Through Sports. I am your host, Allison Ferguson. Hi, Allie. Hi. <laughs> oh, that's your newest one? I'm just going to do a laugh and I'll come, I'll come right back. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> this is a good time for me to introduce Kimmy Fasani. Kimmy has been a pioneer in women's snowboarding since she became the first woman snowboarder to land a double backflip in the park and the powder in 2011. Since then, Kimmy has appeared in dozens of snowboarding film segments, graced the cover and pages of snowboarding magazines, promotes many brands as a sponsored rider, and continues to push the level of progression in her sport. As a mother, she still travels and promotes the companies she rides for, and they have stepped up as well to embrace her choice to be a mom and an athlete. <laughs> oh my gosh, your hands are full. Yeah, it's been fun, but it's hard to just get things done. Um, but it's great. I'm so grateful that we have these two little guys. They take us on a whole different world of adventure. Isn't that the truth? I mean, everything that we go through in life and then you have kids, it's like, wow. I know. There's like nothing. Do you have children? Yes, I have one. She's 16. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I remember those days. My motivation for doing this podcast, Empowering Women Through Sports, is to share with listeners the benefits of sports through the eyes of athletes. From the obvious health aspects to confidence building, how it builds community with others sharing your same stoke, resiliency, perseverance, rising above adversity, all of these attributes are so relatable to life. And Kimmy, your journey is incredible. Let's talk about your life. How much fun are you having? You know, there's so much fun to be had and I feel like life is really short and I've learned to enjoy every day for what it is. That's awesome. Well, let's get into it. Um, you're a decorated, sponsored and professional snowboarder. You're a business owner, published a cookbook, married, and you have two little ones now. I want to get into all of that during our chat. And for starters, I just want to talk about snowboarding. Amazing. I grew up snowboarding. I was born and raised in Tahoe up in Truckee, California. And uh, my mom got me on skis when I was two years old. And then she surprised me with a snowboard when I turned nine years old. And it kind of just changed my life. I loved the connection to the mountains. I loved the uniqueness of the sport back then and even in its form today. And I just loved the community that snowboarding made me feel part of. And uh, it's brought me all around the world. It's taken me on so many adventures. And I'm really excited to be able to share my love for it with my kids as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, did you do any other sports as a kid? I did. I I loved running. Um, I, I did track. And I was never really the best at it. But I liked being able to explore the mountains and um, be part of that. And then I also played tennis. I played soccer when I was really little. I was a gymnast from when I was about five years old until I was about 12 years old. And when I was 12, I broke my arm really bad and I had to have surgery. And that's what took me out of my dream was always to be an Olympic gymnast. And so my wrist injury or my arm injury is what introduced me to snowboarding in a competitive sense because it gave me more freedom. Wow. Gymnastics is so all body and I could see that translating really well into snowboarding. 
you're just such an all around athlete. That's fantastic. Love to hear that. Yeah. Like the air awareness really helped me in snowboarding, just become really comfortable hitting jumps. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And you're a goofy foot too, right? Yes. Right foot forward. Nice. Well, you did a lot of contests and that brings pressure and expectations. How did you handle that? I did really well in contests when I was little, like an amateur, uh, won nationals and stuff with USASA. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And then when I went into the pro circuit of contests, I, I kind of just started choking. I never actually really handled the pro circuit of contests that well, I would make it to finals and then just couldn't put my run together. Never really did well under pressure, but then, um, I found my footing and I found kind of where I excelled in the backcountry and filming video parts. And, um, I liked having like that blank canvas and creating my own train park in the backcountry. Well, that brings its own set of pressures and stresses. But it almost made it so that I was the one in control of it rather than having to sit back and wait for TV commercials and weather and conditions. Like I was out there in the best conditions I could call when I wanted to drop or if I didn't feel comfortable. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the filming and what goes into all of that. Um, But let me start with going back a little bit to what made you decide to move to Mammoth. That's where you're living now, right? Yeah, my mom and I had an agreement that I would, I graduated high school about six months early and I wanted to go to community college. And my mom and I agreed that I would find a school wherever I could in a mountain town to go to community college and kind of start plugging away at my degree. And we went all over the West Coast, like um, the Western states, like we went to Colorado, Utah, and I had experienced those places already for competing, but we like, I think we pulled into Colorado and it was like negative 20 and my mom was like, do you really want to be here? And I chose to come back to California and mammoth at that time in 2002 was the kind of Mecca of snowboarding. They had the best terrain parks. All the pros were here and I decided that this would be the perfect place. It was three hours from where I grew up. So it was far enough where I still could like be a teenager and learn life on my own but it was close enough if I needed my mom and they had a small community college and uh, I got a waitressing job and moved down here. And it was the best decision I ever made. I love mammoth. I just had this conversation the other day with a friend on which one was better squaw or mammoth. And we decided that it was dependent on which mountain you knew better so that you could still find the goods somewhere. Totally. Exactly. And like growing up in Tahoe, there were so many amazing resorts, but it's so nice to be in Mammoth because it's like, I know this mountain so well. And I, there's so much backcountry to explore. And I've really grown into appreciating that so much more than I did when I was younger. And I just love how it's kind of this little pocket tucked in the Eastern Sierra. Absolutely. It's just gorgeous. Snowboarding has so many facets. You've got half pipe, slope style, free ride, big mountain. It's all riding. You're at the highest level of the sport, pulling off huge airs. You are the first female to pull off a double backflip. You got to be strong. How do you train? A lot of my training has been like foundation building. I've had a lot of big injuries. So I have a training facility down in Carlsbad called B Project. 
And that's where I kind of go to get my tune-ups, like physical therapy and just foundational body mechanics of non-compensation, all alignment training, I feel like is really important. And then I love exploring the mountains. So I love trail running. Um, I think it's so important to be able to know the mountains in every season so that when you're out there in the winter, you know where you are, what the terrain looks like, all the features, uh, how to navigate around them. And I just love like the distance and the exploration of trail running. And then I also really like climbing. Uh, Rock climbing has taught me so much about seeing mountains from the ground up and like getting really comfortable trusting my feet and trusting my footwork and my just mental game. I feel like it's like this psychologist, uh, mountain psychologist, you know, it really teaches you how to be strong minded and patient and present and I love the combination of all of those because it just makes me familiar with my mountains and um, the outdoor playgrounds that we love so much. So that is kind of what I lean into for my training is how can I become strong uh, by utilizing all these playgrounds throughout the whole year? Yeah, that's really well said. Climbing, I don't, I can't do it. (laughs) There's no way. But when I did it was this focus for the longest amount of time on the smallest little thing. It was this minute focus that you, you had to be on it. If that wavered, you're off. Totally. And you see a different kind of progression every time you go back to each route. Some days you're like totally on and feeling really strong and you make it to the top. And then other days you're like, whoa, I'm so off. But like the rock hasn't changed. It's either your strength or your mind. And I really love being able to tune into that because it just keeps you really focused and uh, continuously coming back for that progression. Right. That's great. You mentioned the injuries. What are some of the gnarliest falls you've incurred and how did you bounce back? When I was competing in like the pro circuit, especially earlier on, I had this vigor where I, nothing could slow me down. And I just was like going for it. And, um, on two different instances, I overshot a jump and I, I compressed different vertebrae in my back, which is really uncomfortable, but I was really lucky that I didn't do anything else. And just taking time off and really, um, appreciating my body and trying to get strong again in the gym was how I came back from that. And then I broke my pelvis in 2002, same thing, kind of overshooting a jump. And then my worst one was in uh, December of 2012. I just spun off of a jump into the trees and I hit my left leg on a really hard ice block and I broke my pelvis and tore my ACL, MCL, PCL and had a huge hematoma on my left leg. So like I was bedridden for three months and then I had a really slow progression to recover from that. I wasn't allowed to get back on snow for about a year. So that one took kind of everything out of me and yet made me so much more present and mindful. I had to learn how to be okay just sitting and I learned a lot about meditation through that. And I feel like injuries, they're so hard, but for some reason I'm always ready to get back. Like as soon as I get hurt, I'm like, when can I be back on my snowboard? And, uh, that's when I know, like, I'm really passionate about something is like, doesn't matter how much it hurts. (laughs) I just want to be back doing it. You have the appreciation. Yeah. And 
I find that every injury kind of teaches you something new. And that one for sure brought me to this new place of just like appreciating the mind and body balance. And it uh, allowed me kind of to shift gears. And that's kind of when I directly went into filming in the backcountry primarily. Let's talk about filming. Okay. So films after forever. I love the soundtrack. I love your segment. What other films have you been in? What are some of the challenges that go along with that? It's not all glamour. No, it's not. And filming, especially for women, is pretty small niche. There's not that many of us that have opportunities to be filming in the backcountry. And early in my career, it was a lot of trying to beg to get onto crews and showing that I was worth their energy and proving my uh, talent was there. It's just like a really fine niche. Like you have to know a lot to spend time in the backcountry. And so it's this double-edged sword. You don't get experience because you're not on a crew, but the only way to get experience is to be on a crew. So I just tried to do my due diligence and um, learned as much as I could and did AVI courses. And uh, then once I started showing the guys that I was able to be out there with them and I could keep up and I could hit the jumps, then it's like you kind of gain their trust and you're part of that crew for that season. So I worked with standard films for a few years, which was a great uh, experience learning period for me. And then I filmed with my husband a lot. My husband's a professional skier, Chris Benchettler, and he Um, always allowed me to come out with him and his group, obviously. And they taught me so much and having my husband or my boyfriend at the time out there rooting me on and telling me I could hit these huge jumps was so encouraging because he kind of knew me better than myself. I'd get in my head and he'd be like, just go like, turn off your mind and just go. And I felt like that was really awesome advice. And then I worked with absent films for two years. And that was kind of like, the ultimate. They challenged me so much. Um, I spent two seasons working with them in Alaska and that took me into a whole different realm mentally because I, it's like going to graduate school um, in snowboarding. You go to Alaska and you will have to apply everything you've ever learned in snowboarding and make it all count every single run you drop in. Speaking of Alaska, you're at the top of the mountain and you're looking down the spine it's 3000 feet or whatever. What's going through your brain? You know how to snowboard, take every turn in its own time. Like just trying to focus on every turn and being super present and super mindful. And when you're up there, like the mountain is breathing with you because it's sloughing and like you're turning and it's almost like every turn you make is like an exhale. And like, you see the mountain, like breathe out all the slough. So you're kind of just like, in tune with the mountain and trying to stay as present as possible and just saying, I can do this. And there's like times where I'm literally saying I can do this out loud every turn that I'm making. I love the spiritual nature of that. Yeah. I mountains just kind of bring that to them. They're so powerful. And Alaska is such a powerful place. The mountains are so enlightening and um, just huge and yeah, you just have to apply so much that you feel like you're going through this educational, spiritual journey every time you drop in. Well, what about avalanches and or a story that you had to dig really deep to get through a situation? 
Yeah, there's been um, a few situations that every time I go into the mountains, I learn something new. And Alaska most certainly taught me that. And just trusting your gut, trusting your instincts and not falling into peer pressure. And even just knowing like that your avalanche uh, rescue skills are up to top notch. Because if something does happen, you need to be able to not panic and just go and save whoever's in the situation. And I feel like Alaska has taught me both of those. I've been in an avalanche there. I was never buried, but I had to really know my safe points and pull out at the right time. And um, I learned not to go when I knew that there was an instability after that situation. And then I've also been part of a uh, a rescue. And that one just taught me how important it is for everybody to be on the same page and know their information. And that really has helped ignite my passion for helping other women um, expedite their learning curve in the backcountry and trying to help educate more people on avalanche awareness through my uh, event, um, uh, Amusement Mountain. Because I just know like the more of us that are out there educated, making really good decisions or poor decisions, um, we're going to learn quicker and better from these experiences if we're all in it together. So I try to pass down the knowledge I'm learning to a group of women um, and men to just try to elevate this learning curve. Right. Amusement Mountain. I read about that. What a great event that you're spearheading. Yeah, it's been a really fun one. Amusement Mountain is a program that Kimmy spearheaded. It was designed to bring together a select group of ripping female snowboarders to raise the progression of their sport. They push each other on their all-mountain riding skills, and they also take a deep dive into avalanche awareness, prevention, and rescue. Because when you're at this level of boarding and filming in the backcountry, avalanche danger is super high. So being prepared is critical to their joy of the sport and, well, their lives. Fear. We talked about looking down That's the, the spine. A helicopter drops you off for one thing on the top of a pinhead. And then you're looking down the slope, which sounds like you analyze beforehand and you've trained with your avalanche group and you have the knowledge, you have the know-how. But yet this thing's freaking gnarly. Yeah. Fear is its own beast. And to me, fear is just um, our mind and our way of controlling our mind. And there's a time to be fearful and there's a time to be confidently fearful. And I guess um, my big injury that I was talking about where I learned how to meditate and I read a lot of books, like self-help books, if you will, taught me uh, what I feel most comfortable in saying fear is an approach to the future or the past. And to me, you can be fearful if you're afraid of what's going to happen, you're looking to something in the future, or if you're afraid of doing something that you did previously, it's you're looking to something that's already happened to you. But if you're present and you're standing at the top of that mountain, you've never been there before. So you really have no reason to be fearful. Like, sure, if it's out of your league and you've never imagined that you could do something or you don't feel confident on the mountain you're on or you don't, mem you don't remember your line, that is a reason to be fearful. 
But like, if you are, if you know your line and you know, the conditions are good, you should just be able to be present and take that moment for what it is and really go for it. And so it doesn't always go that way, but when I'm standing at the top of the mountain, I try to really harness that energy of going, okay, I'm here. I feel really good about knowing where I'm going. Now I just have to breathe and like enjoy this moment. And it seemed to work for me and it seems to work for me for a lot of things. If I get ahead of myself and I'm like frantic, um, which definitely happens with two kids now, I'm like all over the place. Uh, but if I come back to that present moment, it really is so grounding and centering. And that has played a huge part in my snowboarding and my progression. Almost relaxing in order to be powerful. Yeah. And like turning your mind off, if you know you're good, like turning it off and just going, okay, I'm here. Let's do this. That's awesome. That's great. When did you get your first sponsor? And is that something that you sought out or did they come to you? When I was uh, 15, I'd come back from a couple national wins. And I remember I sent out a sponsor me video and I sent it to about eight different companies. And one of my biggest idols at the time was Shannon Dunn. And she's still such an empowering legend snowboarder in my mind. And um, she rode for Burton and she also rode for Velvet. And I sent my sponsor me video to both those brands. And Shannon Dunn called me personally to say, hey, I watched your video and uh, we would love to go out and ride with you to kind of see what I was capable of. And she ended up getting me on the rep level with Burton and with Velvet. And that really started me off in snowboarding, just having somebody like take notice from a contest result. And it just grew from there. And then from those two, did that help you get other sponsors? And once you started getting your resume together, you got more? Exactly. Like once I had Burton and Velvet, that kind of took me until I was like early 20s. And then I got like on the team with Burton and then... Uh, kind of just kept having step ups with either contest results or when I started filming backcountry parts, um, I was nominated for rookie of the year and all those little tiny credentials kind of added up. And eventually I got back, uh, to where I'm at now, where I just, I'm very aligned with the sponsors that I'm with like cliff bar. I've been with since the beginning, uh, mammoth mountain, obviously. And then, uh, with Burton and Dragon Goggles has been our my newest one because my husband has rode for Dragon forever. And we thought it would be really fun to be kind of like the family for Dragon. So my son wears Dragon Goggles and my husband and I both do. So it's been nice to kind of marry some of our sponsors. A sponsored snowboarder's job is to promote the brand and represent themselves as an extension of that brand's ideals. Sponsored athletes are part of the marketing efforts of a company. They can become the face of the brand. And this marketing strategy is also a significant budget line item. So choosing the right athlete is really important to the promotion of the company. Kimmy is a talented athlete and creative thinker with a passion to share the stoke with other riders. Kimmy's sponsors value that she rips. And also they lean on her for input on product design, marketing, building community and outreach. I snowboarded her before I had my daughter. We brought her up skiing. I come from a ski family and uh, I lived in, went to Boulder to college and lived in Chamonix for two years. And Incredible. 
But you know, that was the eighties, babe. Yeah. But the mountains are in your blood and you can tell that passion yeah. is there. Totally. So we love mammoths. We're trying to get up there more and more. And, um, Anyway, I haven't been snowboarding because we taught her how to ski. And so she, she's my ski buddy. We ski together, but I miss snowboarding and my gear is so old that my friends are looking at it. And they're like, God, it's not even your cambers off. Your edges are this, your bindings are that. And I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to get back on, I, I don't want to hurt myself. So I want to get the right. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, um, there's an amazing new system that Burton's put out. That's called the step on like the step on system for bindings and boots. And even for me, I ride that system like 90% of the time on resort because it's so convenient, so fast. You're not dealing with the straps on the bindings, like sitting down. Yeah. You can stand up, you step onto your binding. It's yep. quick release. It's super easy. And uh, that's what I would recommend you get into because all of a sudden your life is going to be changed and you're going to be like, whoa, like this is a lot easier to transition back than I thought it was. That's awesome. I used to have the clickers. Yeah. And the snow would get in them. And uh, it, it just, it was, I think. Really I cumbersome. Went, totally. And I went back to the one that straps around the toe. I forget what those were called, but those were awesome because when you're lifting, you can lift with the toe easier. Does that, with the step on binding, is that, I guess your toe is connected to the board. So you just lift it. Yeah. So your toe pieces like are connected um, on the side, on the lateral and medial side of your toes uh, with these little clips. And then your heel is connected. So there's nothing getting under your foot. Um, the boot is just as light, if not lighter than your normal boot. And the whole system is just so uh, streamlined that there's, there's nothing negative I can say about it. It's just like, it makes snowboarding so fun and so easy and so great for people that are either getting into it, choosing to get back into it or on the later side of their um, interest in it and don't want to bend over and sit down anymore. It's great. I love it. Revolutionary. Yeah. Jake was definitely thinking for a lot of people when he created that. That's cool. Well, Burton, the mega snowboard brand from its inception in 1977 and still the most recognizable snowboard brand today what are some of the expectations they, they have of their athletes? Burton to me is one of the most rider driven companies in the industry because we're part of meetings throughout the whole year, really improving product. And they get us product a year before it hits the market and they have meetings about how it's performing. And to me, like that is such an important part of being in this industry is making sure that the product that we're using really will stand up to the harshest conditions. And um, for expectations, Burton has done an, a great job just trusting me personally with my career and knowing that I will always provide them the content that I'm capable of. And even with having children, uh, Burton was really, really forward with me. And Donna Carpenter and I, the owner of Burton, were able to create a verbiage in my contract that allowed me to maintain my career and go through pregnancy and have maternity um, benefits, which was ahead of their time in the snowboard industry. And I don't know why it took the whole industry so long, but I feel like it was really a turning point for women in snowboarding to feel like, whoa, like I can actually maybe do this and have children and continue my passion. You're a woman in a man's world, really, snowboarding. I mean, look around us all the other skiers and boarders, there's percentage wise, there's more men than women. And that is a really 
great testament to Burton and to your sponsors who are supporting you like this saying, hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like there was this time and place all of a sudden to be like, wait, why aren't we doing this? I know it's going to be really hard and it has been, but let's show what it's like to be a mom and an athlete in snowboarding and show other women and show the younger generation that this is possible. And it's all kind of led into, I'm actually working with a nonprofit that's called And Mother and Alicia Montano is uh, the founder of that, her and Molly Dickens. And it's been so fun to really pursue this passion on both sides, like as an athlete and also trying to give back and showing other moms, like we want to empower you. We want to break down these barriers. And the more women that ask for verbiage in their contracts, even if they're not planning on having kids or don't think they'll have kids, it's going to open up that possibility for the next generation without having it even be an issue. Does Burton or your other sponsors, do they have a stipend or do they send with you a caregiver by any chance? Yeah. So they, Burton uh, has agreed to send a companion while I'm breastfeeding. So for the first two years of my child's life, I can have a companion come with me on any shoot, which is the best. It gives me so much confidence in my ability to do my job and also the safety and security of my child, knowing that I can have who I need there to allow me to perform at my best and my child be safe and in good hands. Absolutely. What a, just a relief of that part off your brain. You can focus on your job, get your work done, and then you're there and you know your child's been cared for and good to go. Exactly. It's the way it all should be, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I feel like we're getting there. People are starting to open their eyes really and accepting it and knowing like the first couple of years is hard for me to be out in the deep mountains. But in the first year of my first son's life, we were able to travel to eight different countries and I learned so much on every single trip. And the closest I ever felt to the mountains was actually on a sailboat in the Arctic Ocean. And we were completely out of service for about a week. And my son and my husband were on the boat and I was able to like hike couloirs off the Arctic ocean. And yeah, I was, it might've taken me two hours to hike the couloir, but I was only 10 minutes from my child. And that was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, like I can actually focus on being in the mountains and not worry about where my child is. Cause I'm not hours away where if I were in the water surfing, or I, I looked at other moms that were doing the same thing. It's like their child is so close to them. And that was my biggest struggle in that first year was really like the distance that mountains were away from my child. But allowing you to have a caregiver or what, bring Chris along too? Yeah. 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 And vice versa, would Chris, do his sponsors let him have- Bring the family. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I love that evolution. Fantastic. Me too. too. That's great. Well, you have a very full life. You're a pro snowboarder, your mother of two, your husband, Chris Benchetler is also sponsored big mountain skier. I love this relationship. You share the love of the mountains without competing with each other. You're boarding and he's skiing, balancing your career with two kids. And, uh, it's just fantastic. And you know, you're not just a pro athlete. You are a businesswoman. Tell me about a deserted organic bake shop. Yeah. In 2011, um, our friends, Mimi and Delaney moved back to Mammoth and they wanted to start a bakery. She's, she loves baking, especially cookies at that time. And they kind of approached us. We'd been in Mammoth for a long time and 
Uh, they thought that it would be the perfect place to kind of set down roots for themselves. And they saw that there was nothing really that offered organic baked goods in town. So um, it was a perfect time to start that. And we were really excited because my husband and I actually met at an ice cream shop in town. We had a sweet tooth um, and he was an ice cream scooper and I was a sucker for um, whatever cookie dough or mint chip, whatever pint he would bring me. <laughs> and so uh, it was a nice full circle for us. And they ended up opening the shop in September of 2011. And here we are 10 years later, still doing really well. And uh, it's brought a whole different kind of evolution to my mind. I love being able to give back to my community. I love being able to support a local business. And um, I am a professional taste tester. And then that relationship actually led to Mimi and I doing a cookbook and it's called The Mountain Baker. And I'm by no means like a professional baker and Mimi has taught me so much, but I do love cooking. So our cookbook is a way for people to experience the mountains and cooking without having to sacrifice their recipes. Elevation can really affect how things turn out. And so we wanted to create a cookbook that was cooked. Everything was cooked at an elevation or baked at an elevation, but then we also tested everything at sea level. So it's kind of the opposite of what you would normally experience, but it's uh, been really fun. People have been really excited and especially the people in mountain communities being able to, I don't know, get the spirit of baking and cooking kind of more uh, fundamentally dialed. Where can you find it? It's on uh, a lot of big box stores like Target, Walmart, um, Amazon, and then hopefully it's in most mountain town bookshops. So if you want to go local, uh, look in your local bookshop. And then if not, you can find it on Amazon or one of those others. Wow. That is fantastic. I love how you've rolled it all together. It's, it's so full. You've got the mountains, your boarding, your passion, family life, business. You're, you're living the dream. Yeah. And I guess it is the dream. And it's been, I, I think it's just all kind of unfolded because I'm really passionate about all of it. And I feel like that has happened through whatever loss. Like I found the mountains because I had lost my dad to cancer and then my mom later to cancer. And like this relationship, the mountains kind of became my escape. Like it was like my way to find peace and happiness and then through that relationship, it really bled into these other outlets where I was like, well, I really love cooking. So having this relationship with the cookbook and then my family and I have been doing a documentary for the past couple of years and really trying to show like how these stories kind of unfold and the humanness of this journey, because I feel like people do look at us and they're like, oh my gosh, like what a perfect life you're living. And there's been a lot of adversity, like you were saying in your introduction. And I feel like for us, adversity has really bloomed passion because we chose to choose light over darkness and go deeper in ourselves and find things that made us happy and more wholesome. And uh, yeah, so it's been a dreamy, adventure-filled life. Finding success after failure. Totally, exactly. And rising up and overcoming and uh, all of these things teach us so many lessons. I've learned just now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are awesome. God, I've I've loved, love, love, love this. I could keep going. Are there any recommendations you might have to women who 
just started a family and but want to keep charging? Oh, that's a great question. And I guess for me, what I am really learning with having kids is the hardest part is getting out the door and like going. Like the hardest part is saying, yes, I'm going to go travel, thinking of all the things like that you need and like the chaos that it's going to bring and getting out the door and going, yes, I'm going to get my kids to the mountain. You know, like there's so much, it's so complicated or it feels that way. But when you do it a couple times, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, there's actually a rhythm to it. I don't need as much as I thought I did and I can do this. And it might not be for like that long that you're out there. Like sometimes I only get one run with my son on the mountain and it took us 45 minutes to get out of the house, but we still got out there and he still was like either really excited or wanted to go home, but we still got out there. And I feel like that is a motto for life, right? You've got to go. You won't know if you don't go. And uh, really knowing like the more that we are able to get outdoors and um, embrace nature, the better we're going to feel too as moms. So step outside of your comfort zone and just do it. And then once you do it, step a little further. You know, it's like keep going and doing the things that you're passionate about because your kids are going to look back and be like, wow, my mom was so awesome. And she really showed me so many things that I never would have seen or experienced. And then maybe hopefully one day when your kids have kids, they're going to be like, wow, that was really hard. My mom did such an amazing job getting me out the door. But um, it's that trickle effect. Once you get to experience nature and your kids get to experience nature, there's a totally different kind of peace of mind that comes over you. And I feel like it's better for us as family to be able to be out there. And yeah, it's just a pretty freeing element. You're leading the way. You're showing other women that it's possible. Well, there's a lot of women that have come before me, like yourself, that have done it too. And I think the more we just keep talking about it and helping to inspire that younger generation to keep chasing their passion and not being afraid to use our voice and saying like, hey, this is really important to me. I want to keep doing my career or whatever it is, uh, the easier it's going to get for the rest of us. Amen. (laughs) Cheers. Kimmy Fasani has helped pave the way for women in snowboarding for nearly two decades. She showed that a double backflip is possible. Her amusement mountain program raises the bar for women's pro snowboarding. She's co-authored a cookbook and is co-owner of an organic dessert shop. Kimmy also maintains her own athletic prowess and exceeds her sponsor's expectations while raising a family. All of this, Kimmy says, takes hard work for sure, along with desire, dedication, and perseverance. And she reminds us that we need to advocate for ourselves so that we can continue to pursue our passions. And that is empowering. Music for this podcast is created and produced by Gary Ferguson. Creative consultants, Tony Ferguson and Quinn Ferguson. You can find a library of episodes and other information on the web at empoweringwomenthroughsports.com. We're on Instagram, too, at EWTSpod. Or find us on your favorite listening platform, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you hear an inspiring episode, share it with your friends, and let's grow our community of empowering women through sports. Thanks for listening.